welcome. I'm Jennifer Regular from Lighting the Path, where I align visionaries and who are and those at a crossroads with clarity, direction, and purpose. I'm also the host here at Wise Women Wednesdays, where I bring inspiring women from around the world to share their experience and their gifts to humanity, as well as their strength gain during their journey. Today, I welcome Emily Burfoot. She is currently um, joining us from Thailand, but resides in London, England. And while her university degree is in geography, her real education has come from social studies and mental health from the University of Life. She was diagnosed with bipolar disorder after a near-death experience following an unnecessary prescription of an antidepressant. This has led to real life experiences and observations around the effects the diagnosis has and has found spiritual approaches effective in tending to her mental health and advocates for social and emotional solutions for any mental health imbalances. Her love of festivals, adventures, and travels aligns well with her work abroad and learning about Buddhist and Hindu spirituality, as well as Taoism and Christian mysticism. In 2020, she joined a group that became the Blue Lotus Network. It's an international online community who envisions a mental health system run by those with direct experience and knowledge of self-healing. Today, Emily is here to share about how the mind causes suffering, what to do about it, and takes us to the space where spirituality and mental health meet. Thank you so much for joining us today, Emily. It's wonderful to have you here and to be so vulnerable and bold in sharing about what's happened with your diagnosis and the journey that that's taken you on. And you're currently in Thailand, you're from London. I know you've done work in Ibiza and then the Alps and had a pilgrimage in India. So you've really gotten to have a taste of different cultures, different people, different ways of being. And I know in your administration work too that you had shared with me before that you've um, been into the mindsets of different leaders in various different fields. So I know you have such a wide breadth of knowledge and experience to share with us today. And I'm interested to hear in what ignited this passion of mental health and the spiritual approaches towards that for you. Are you ready to share with that? Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. I'm really honoured to be here and I hope you can hear me uh, reasonably clearly in uh, in my earpieces. So Sounds great. I, <laughs> so uh, thanks for the opportunity to share. I think it's so important that this topic is really given uh, a bigger limelight because it's a topic that really falls very heavily in the territory of uh, psychiatrists and doctors. And I guess my experience uh, with psychiatry and with the medical profession with mental health is that they, psychiatrists and the doctors present this as though they're coming from a really objective viewpoint, you know, they are the all-knowing, um, completely impartial people who help with mental health. And what my experience has really taught me is that they're not objective, they're not impartial, and they're not all-knowing. Um, 
And when we kind of start to look at uh, the practice of uh, treating uh, poor mental health, uh, especially experiences that can't be explained by uh, materialist science. Mm. Uh, really, I've, I feel that that is the main conflict of interest that starts to arise. And I have obviously been um, a victim of, I mean, I don't like to identify as a victim, but in the past, I certainly did identify as a victim because I felt that I was this incredibly uh, able, gifted person. And I was being branded as a, as a label that effectively, you know, you need to carry this shame around with you. You need to accept this diagnosis of being second class. You need to... Um, Kind of tone down my expectations of life to fit in with the average person who doesn't really aspire to much and if I believe in my uh, capacity and my vision then I'm grandiose and delusional and obviously all of this doesn't sit well with my heart it doesn't sit with well with my spirit but frankly it's just not true so I think um I felt a really strong sense of injustice when I started to encounter those kinds of messages. And I really wanted to start to unpick like where these limited and false beliefs in the medical profession were actually coming from. Mm. You know, what did you feel was the main discrepancy? You mentioned that um, it crushed your spirit in some ways. Right. And, and that Absolutely. can really perpetuate the feeling of illness then, because a lot of illness and sickness comes from soul loss. Would you Absolutely. agree with that? Has that been your experience? And so Absolutely. how how did you approach that then? How were you able to bring that to their awareness? Mm. I mean, it's a great question. I wouldn't say that, I mean, I would say that I've brought it to the awareness of individuals, but it's very difficult to have a conversation about you've injured my soul when the whole uh, framework of ideas around medicine, the soul doesn't exist. Mm. So then that becomes another way that they gaslight you into thinking that you're being crazy because you've got an awareness of something that they don't um, and the whole thing really is very uh, dark, very dark, actually. Um, so, yeah, I guess my initial response to the diagnosis was a flat out rejection of it. And I knew that, and also a rejection of further uh, treatment through medication. And I knew that um, by doing that, I, there was no way that I could act in a way that would take me back into their territory. So um, I really became very aware of the power dynamics and fundamentally it is a power game, um, you know, and it's to do with, um, you know, I mean, I could go into the philosophy of how it's kind of like, the, the white man in the image of God and people go to him for help. Um, and then he plays the savior. And so it's really involved, uh, my healing has really involved a complete transcendence of that dynamic where I can't, I can't afford to ever lose control 
of my being, no matter how um, alternative my viewpoint might spontaneously become, because I've got a lot of awareness of other realities, other dimensions, other um, parts of my being. And essentially my healing came down to a culture of secrecy within myself where essentially I couldn't share my true emotional reactions. I couldn't share my true cognizant reactions. Um, and I just couldn't share myself. So I was eventually literally squashed into this very small space where I was only allowed to occupy the 3D reality that they recognized. So it really was um, horrendous. But I'm really happy to say that I am leaving the, uh, you know, the feelings of being wronged behind and really moving now into the educational aspect of what I wanted to communicate. Uh, you know, for example, quantum physics has proven that, well, I mean, the theories around quantum physics and um, have, have shown that, you know, that there could be up to 11 or 12 dimensions and this this theory just hasn't made it into medicine why why is nobody asking those questions about the intersection of new science and medicine and um yeah i mean it, i think it comes down to how medicine is so closely integrated integrated into the social and political structures that keep the current world order alive mm. and really I mean initially I was very naive I thought well if I can just find the person who makes psychiatric policy and explain well you know this is the logical and philosophical argument as to why your practices don't have any uh, evidence base or any currency that they would listen and go oh right okay uh, yeah we can we can update our ideas according to what you're saying but I very quickly uh, became aware that A, there is no one person making those decisions and B, the people who have custody of those decisions really are incredibly deaf to new ideas. Mm. So I've been forced to go about my communication in a very roundabout way. And I'm very grateful now to be really part of a movement of the uh, upgrades uh, in, in these ideas as we kind of birth the new earth, uh, to use a phrase uh, with, um, which is kind of coined by one of my colleagues, Catherine Lucas, who's done a lot of work in um, discussing the phenomenon of, of spiritual emergency. Uh, which is what I would say I, I've been through. And it is different from mental illness. And I'd say the main difference is that there's an intention to help as, an, as opposed to an intention to harm. And I would say that uh, the people who are interacting with people in a spiritual emergency are so terrified of uh, what's not predictable and what's unknown, that they can't recognize that intention to help. Um, and they don't have the qualification of the presence that's needed to hold the space that's for somebody who's going through such a profoundly uh, traumatic and transformational um, experience. 
so um yeah i mean i feel like i've gone on a bit of a of a tangent but these are, are all sort of relevant themes uh, to kind of what i'm doing and yeah i'd love to see more recognition of the spiritual and the interdimensional in in mental health because i find it all so relevant Absolutely. And I find it's so relevant for each of us to free our spirit to direct the life that we are meant to live and to engage in spiritual wellness, which is essentially devoting our life to what we're most about. And I see that's what you're doing, Emily, is that you're devoting your life to what you're most about, what keeps you spiritually well. And, and you've been able to courageously break away from the medical system that was trying to hold you in to this diagnosis and then be able to learn from others through books and travels and speaking with other people and um, gathering with like minds find found a new way to be in the world right and you mentioned about spiritual emergency so can you share more about that what that looks like so people can learn to un understand or identify with that wow yeah what a great question mm. So spiritual emergency, uh, I would say I've probably had about five or six uh, very um, acute crisis periods, periods of spiritual emergency. And it really is a moment where you and the, the, I guess one of the universe, I mean, it's different for every single person. That's the first thing to say. There are as many ways to have a spiritual emergency mm -hmm. uh, as there are uh, people to experience it. Um, but the common thread is really a collapsing of a lot of old uh, belief structures um, and a recognition uh, that, that what we knew before was not wrong, but uh, subjective and, and connected to a certain uh, reference point. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a spiritual emergency, the consciousness goes beyond uh, any reference point and sort of merges with universal consciousness. And at this point, you know, it's, it's very chaotic and... Uh, you know, it's all, it's just so emotional, so scary, but yet feels like the most real thing that you've ever experienced. You know, if you, if you think of the, um, the level of feeling that you experience in normal waking consciousness, let's say that's about a three out of 10, the level of realness that you would feel uh, in a spiritual emergency in a spiritual emergency is like eleven out of ten, mm. and that also is um, again it and it it's just take it's just taking taking us outside the the confines of of normal uh, waking consciousness and opening up to new ideas and new parallels you know you can see lots of patterns at the same time some people have images of uh, religious figures um, perhaps identify with religious figures that's happened to me before and that again you know there's a complete loss of ego loss of identity um, some people feel overwhelming 
love, overwhelming oneness. Uh, that's also something I've experienced, uh, but I've also experienced the darker side of it as well. So I guess it, I mean, it is absolutely fascinating. And one of the drawbacks, I think, of the mental health system is that because it declares any perception that isn't shared by those in your 3D vicinity as a delusion. Um, the, in order to re-enter normal life, that you almost kind of have to uh, either cut yourself off from having seen those things and experienced those things, which is very painful because it's nine, you know, ten, 10 times out of ten, it's the most ex meaningful experience that somebody's ever ever had. Mm. Um, or you have to integrate it, and so more and more people who uh need to integrate these experiences have you know ignored the the doctrines of the mental health system and actually looked within which is exactly what I've done mm. looking at different um spiritual paths what are the common themes what is the meaning of our spiritual education and gradually um you know where there was an area of chaos initially sort of order emerges uh, very similar uh, to any other application of chaos theory which is another thing that I find very relevant so um, I mean yeah it's I, I and you can't fail to have an interest in spirituality after an experience like this either it it it, it once that side of you is is awakened I mean, maybe some people who really care about the 3D world and social status and money and all the rest of it, you know, they might want to put a lid on it and and, and send it away. Um, I'm not really one of those people. Uh, and you mentioned that, you know, I enjoy adventure and I enjoy um, travel, uh, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really incredibly delighted to have reached a point in my life where I can start to talk about those taboo things openly because uh, I mean I'm just so incredibly passionate about it. Absolutely doing the things that light you up that make you feel really good and mm -hmm. create some order in your life too um, all of those things coming together. And you mentioned that you came across a group called the, and it's become international in a Blue Lotus network. Um, what happens within that network? What's that all about? Blue Lotus Network was formed, there's six of us, and we formed during the COVID pandemic. Uh, so we have been we've actually never met each other in person, but every single one of us has an experience of mental health uh, that is not uh, helped by the medical system. And so we all have that background. Uh, I think four of us have had spiritual emergencies of some description. And we came together with a shared objective that uh, we wanted to really provide a, a system whereby people who were experiencing a spiritual emergency uh, or any other kind of uh, spiritual based mental health uh, issue, which I 
would argue that spirituality is always relevant. Uh, we're actually going to people who had a foundation and a grounding in uh, spirituality and were able to focus on their gifts and their self-actualization as a way to healing instead of pathologizing them and giving them a diagnosis and putting them back in a small box um, because we know the harm that, that, that can really come from that. And we debated for a long time, how do we how do we deliver that when there is such a strong current of people to go to the doctor, you know, and the doctors don't want to, you know, there's a whole risk framework. I mean, we're literally starting from the very bottom of this mountain. Um, but we made a decision very early on that we would offer uh, both free and commercial services as a way to start delivering this. Um, all of them being experts by experience is the term in the mental health world. So uh, we're using our own experience as the foundation uh, for delivering our services. And we, it's taken a long time for us to get to, to heal to the point that we're even able to do that. So we've been running for 18 months and really we're only just getting behind uh, sort of promoting our um, programs. And we really put um, self-care at, um, at the basis of everything we do. Um, so to make sure that we're looking after ourselves first um, before looking after other people uh, and also a strong emphasis on uh, medication uh, sorry meditation <laughs> meditation <laughs> rather than medication have, <laughs> I know they only have one letter difference that's true and, mm -hmm. yeah and spiritual hygiene to make sure that we're always acting in the in light of the balance uh, of in like we're always acting within balance and within love instead of within judgment. Mm, wow. So you've basically created this group and a movement towards natural health, mental and right. spiritual health in particular. And so what are some of the teachings or core principles that you think are vital to one's mental health and spirituality? That's such a good question. So the first tenet that, that um, really brought us all together was this idea of full body listening. And this has been the foundation for so much of our uh, practice is that nine times out of 10, when somebody, when you're relating an experience and somebody's listening to you, there's a relatively high percentage um, that the other person listening is already trying to think of a response, already trying to fit what you're saying into their existing um, frame of reference. And the, you know, meeting someone who has the depth of perception to fully listen mm -hmm. to a spiritual experience without a part of them thinking you're deluded, that's actually incredibly rare. So we know that uh, that is 
really important when we deliver our, our services and we never invalidate someone else's experience so if they have a perception that there is another being in the room with them we ask inquiring questions about that like um so instead of challenging the what they're saying there's there's an attitude of curiosity mm. um which really communicates a feeling of safety uh, which is so crucial to help somebody move through uh, this kind of experience uh, safely uh, and without harm uh, to them so that's the basis of it but then there's you know there's an understanding that creativity uh, really is so crucial to uh, and self-expression and healing etc so we have a service uh, in creativity and also this application of spiritual principles to uh, the language we have in our inner voice I think um, so you know specifically targeted at people who um, whose inner voice is a very large part of their experience, really uh, augmenting the tone and language of that voice to be incredibly kind and compassionate hmm. so that somebody has a very sort of light uh, state of, of being in the mind. Wow. And yeah, you mentioned earlier about how the mind can cause the suffering. And so what can we do about that? You're saying that we can lighten up our mind by the way that we think about toning those inner voices? Absolutely. I would say uh, in my own experience, because I meditated on my mind for a long time as part of my healing, and what I discovered was that you know, at a lot of different layers of the subconscious, there was a very hostile um, and, you know, almost someone cracking the whip at every single layer. So it was a process of going down to each layer and just sort of gently taming that whip. And I guess it would manifest as, you know, you like self-blame, self-criticism, or even blame of others um, using very harsh language or, um, yeah, just, just that intention to punish. I think that is the, uh, the psychological uh, harm that we need to uh, overcome. And it really comes from this idea that as we take our awareness into different areas of the subconscious, we can actually re-engineer it from this uh, sort of judgmental, um, you know, pain-inducing uh, voice to this very patient, calm teacher who's like, okay, so that didn't go exactly as you wanted, but you've got some more time. And if you have to need to have to have a day off and have a self-care day, that's okay. The world's going to carry on spinning, you know. So really cutting all of ourselves a really long leash, um, accepting the complexity of um, 
we're doing uh, to, to change these patterns and then really embodying the result of that by not acting out this uh, persecutory behavior with others. Wow, so really embodying courage and curiosity and compassion and self-love and nurturing yourself. Yeah. I mean, I know there's so many people out there who believe that they can't take a day off. <laughs> you know, it's just that's impossible. You know, I can't take a day off. And we really get caught up in that belief that it's impossible to take a day off and, and quite to the detriment then of our health on every level, physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. And in some ways, it sounds like the Blue Lotus Network is a place where you can go to be able to integrate all of the different feelings and emotions and thoughts and beliefs that are, are carrying on and to bring some consciousness to that. And so you and the other, is it all women in your network or is there men too? As we, we have five, five women and one guy. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so together you bring, um, you basically wrap around people as they're going through their spiritual emergency and be able to hold them in that space for them to come to their own insights and awareness of what's really going on, what mm. um, that awakening process is essentially. I think... I think that's where we'd like to get to and mm. a lot of uh, where uh, I guess we're really based on a very practical level with the with the intensity of support that somebody needs when they're in that spiritual emergency it's really very very uh, physical presence and it's not really appropriate for online um, interactions which is what we're based on doing uh -huh. but our hope is that so at the moment we're we're teaching and supporting in a way that is not crisis based but it's hope it's hope that as we grow we can then set up a physical center which would have more capacity to actually manage that process of spiritual emergency but so much of it is is around changing the dialogue um and and educating others as well so yeah at some point we'll get there <laughs> the education is so important initially to just crack open a little bit people's minds and ways of thinking about things and um i think there was a lot presented today that kind of got people thinking a little differently you know um and I know you have a website and we're going to offer that below because I know you have a blog, you have various offerings and you have a newsletter people can sign up with as well and be able to connect with you. Um, what is it now that you have a global audience here? What do you so wish that people would hear? What do you want them to know? whether you're speaking to the medical professions or people that may be going through a spiritual emergency or struggling with other kinds of mental health issues, um, what would you like to share with them? I guess the main message is really that even though I, we're taught to believe, uh, or we have this belief, this very strong belief that the world is fundamentally material and 3D. I just invite people to consider that that might be uh, a partial belief, but actually there are these multi-dimensional 
worlds and people can be aware of more than one reality at the same time and that's actually normal for a human being because we are interdimensional beings and yeah just invite uh, people to open their minds to new possibilities and and do their best not to persecute people who don't fit into their mold of how people should Ah, yes, to treat every each and every one of us with respect, reverence, and compassion, and to recognize that we're multi-sensory beings living in multi-dimensional lives. Yes, um, can you share a little bit more? Um, doesn't have to go into great depth, but just for those that are not quite familiar with the different dimensions of reality, because you mentioned about three mm. D and in the quantum field of the eleventh and twelfth dimensions, can you share? a little bit about those dimensions and the frequencies and, and what you've come to know about them. Interesting. Um, I guess, yeah, that's, I, oh, I'm not quite prepared for that question, but I guess. Um, <laughs> that's okay, because I know it comes most, more from an inner knowing. And yeah, it's um, okay, I, it's, go ahead, I, can, okay. I, can, I can continue um, just to say um, that, there is a system whereby we recognize that we have a physical body and we have an emotional body, that's another dimension. And we have a mental body, that's in another dimension. And then we have a soul or a spiritual body, which is in another dimension. So it might not take us all the way up to 12, but that is kind of expanding outwards. And each of those dimensions has different properties, different qualities. Um, I guess we have an understanding of how emotional is different from physical, for example, and how mental is different from emotional. So that's um, a way to, to start to bring us out into our multidimensional selves. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Emily. And is there any other final thoughts that you'd like to share with the audience today? Um, I mean, I'm just so grateful to everyone who's watching, who's made it to this this point, um, you know, for really honoring and listening to what I have to say. It really means a lot. And I'm very grateful to you, Jennifer, for giving me the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Emily, for all that you've shared today. And it was such an honor to have you here. Mm, all the way from you. Thailand today. <laughs> 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 thank yeah, you so thank much you. yes thank and thank you. you so much to all of you for joining us today and listening in and you can join us again next week here on wise women wednesdays enjoy the rest of your day